You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning again. Welcome back. I am Mark Holcraft, your host for the morning on this Wednesday morning, March 30th, where there is plenty of snow outside, but it looks like it has stopped. Um, It's funny, we've had some fun conversations already with our staff. I think there's mixed emotions out there for people. Some are excited about the snow. Some can't wait to see it go. I think it's beautiful. Um, I am joined this morning for our second segment with one of our very own, Jessica Foley. She's our events coordinator. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing all right. It was very white and beautiful out there. I think we all knew it was coming. Yeah. You know, but we were also hoping for some green too, so. Yeah, yeah. So I was just talking with Father Jeff Epler um, because I was ready to say, hey, network-wide snowstorm. And he reminded me, no, we just got rain. There's no snow up there. So maybe people want to drive up to Grafton if they want to get rid of the, away from the snow. It's always an option. <laughs> or we could just sit here and wait a couple of days. I'm sure it'll be gone. Exactly. Exactly. So Jessica, you're, you are our events coordinator for Real Presence Radio. Um, for those who may not know you, because it's, it's so behind the scenes. You really, you're, maybe, you're not up front as much except for the banquets, but can you share more about what you do here? Yeah. So I have been here just about six years. Um, and I work with the banquets, um, and then I do some of our graphic design stuff on the side. So for our banquets, I work with the venues, um, and then I work with the LRCs, and once they have table hosts, I'm working with the table hosts, making sure they have everything they need to um, get their guests situated at their tables, and so their guests can be welcomed at our events. And then I'm working with the venues to make sure everything is in place, um, just to have everything ready when people come the night of the event so that everyone is fed and has a good time. Well, I've definitely, so in my 18 months here, I've had a chance to uh, be on 16 different banquets with you, or technically I should say, it was, I think it was 13 banquets because coming out of COVID, right? We had a few that we had to cancel. We tried doing a virtual thing and true to human nature, we're just better with human human interaction. Um, but you've been very busy. It, it, even I've been with you when we're on our way to some of these locations the day of, and you're on the phone from the moment we start. So it's very busy. And for some of you, maybe you've noticed some of our beautiful billboards. Uh, and we have a couple of buses, one in Duluth, one in uh, Bismarck. Um, but you're seeing, Jessica mentioned she does some of the work with, I think you said marketing design. The graphic uh, design. The graphic yep. design. And so you have something to do with some of those images before they get up, right? Yep. I didn't do the buses, um, but... I have a, a role that I play in all of the newsletters, all of the banquet marketing materials, our brochures, our billboards. You know, it's always a team effort, but... Yeah. Yeah. Way to go. Way to go. So, now one of the reasons I'm happy to introduce you, because I, I, I like that people get to know, okay, so what do you guys do, you know, behind the scenes? And yours is one of those jobs that is behind the scenes, but still very busy. But one of the reasons I asked you to join us this morning... You know, we're talking Eucharistic adoration and the devotion to the Eucharist. Um, in my short time of coming to know you, I know you to be a woman of prayer. Uh, you have allowed the church to form you. I think you have a beautiful story. And I just wanted to invite you to share some of that. And at the same time, how has Eucharistic adoration and devotion to the Eucharist helped to shape what the Lord's been doing in your life? So would you mind even sharing just a little bit of your background growing up? 
as a as a Catholic girl, now a Catholic woman. So I grew up um, I grew up cradle Catholic, but in a family that um, I think, like very many Catholic families around and across the church, um, we went to mass on Sundays and we prayed sometimes before meals or other times. But there wasn't. I wasn't really engaged with the faith a lot more than that, and I didn't really see a lot of adults being engaged with the faith a lot before that either. So, and I think some of it might have been like willful ignorance, and some of it, you know, as a child, you don't know what you're missing, and like you don't always see how adults are engaging with it. But I think a lot of the adults around me hadn't seen their parents engaging in it past Sunday Mass, too. So it's very much like a little cultural Catholicism, um, but just. Not a lot of great role models. So I grew up, I had all my sacraments. Um, there was really, really great community in my small parish um, that is now like a closed parish. And so when that parish closed, um, my family kind of gradually stopped going to church because we were missing the like community aspect of it. And all the other churches around the area were just different in different ways. And there was just... Um, kind of side stuff happening. My brother and I were like older teenagers and kind of resistant to the idea of like changing routines and, you know, going that's, to church. That's so unusual. That's so, so weird. So <laughs> unusual. In fact, right. um, I went to the University of North Dakota and when my mom and I toured the campus, um, I, we, we had, we weren't really going to mass very often at that point in time. And we, we were touring the campus and my mom was like, well, the Newman Center's up there. Maybe we should go check it out so you know where it is. And I'm like, Way cool. Well, you know, we're not really going to church now. Did you so, say that to your mom? Yes, okay. I did. So I don't know, like I'm, you know, if we're not really going to church now, I don't know why I would go to church when I went to campus. It was not my finest teenage moment ever <laughs> looking back. But calling it as it is, which I think teenagers do, you know, uh, for better or worse. Right. So, wow. And I think I did soften it a little saying like, well, I do know where it is, like... I'll find it if I need it. Like, I know it's there. And then I went to college, and I wasn't going to Mass. Um, I did go to a lot of different events, though, and I pretty quickly realized that despite, and I think through this whole time, I would have always considered myself a Catholic, but I didn't have the formation to understand that, like, a practicing Catholic is still going to church and receiving the sacraments. Like, I probably at that point hadn't been to confession since... I don't know, seventh or eighth grade. Like we went with faith formation. My parents maybe went sometimes, but not really. And I didn't really know many adults who went regularly either. And I was just the kind of teenager who, yeah, I don't really see adults doing this. So you skirt the line, like you get in at the end of the line and then you go to the bathroom and then, you know, it had been a long time since I'd been to confession. Um, So anyhow, I got to college Um, and I started meeting friends and in kind of short order, like I was searching for community. So in finding friends, I pretty quickly realized that all of the people I was connecting with and building friendships with were either Catholic, some other sort of practicing Christian and reasonably serious about their faith or fallen away Catholic. Um, and I, despite not being a person who wanted to go to church, found myself like in a couple of different Bible study sort of groups right away just because I was finding community there and because those were the people I was connecting with. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so when was it at UND? Because it's interesting because 
I had, before I officially met you, I had learned about you through a common friend of ours, Adair. Sure. Right? Um, and so what I was aware of is at some point, I think you were living in the Catholic women's house. Right. So what, so what happened from, you're that, at this point of going right. to Bible studies and then to get you to that point? So the house opened up my junior year. This is my freshman year I'm coming in. Um, somewhere in the point, like I think around October, November, my freshman year, I started going to like some social events at the Newman Center and I started going back to mass just with friends. Um, so it's kind of like through community and through friends, through people in the church, more than like having a personal relationship with Christ. Do you remember, did someone invite you to come to mass with them or did right. you just decide, oh, maybe well, I'll try this? I didn't go, I didn't like walk over with them, but they're like, we'll be there, you should be there. And it was kind of like, okay. I, I think I actually, I don't remember at this point if I started going back to mass first or if I started like in a Bible study first okay. and then went back to mass. Um, and the timeline is kind of fuzzy um, I do know that one Lent, I'm not sure. So I went, two, two major things play a role here. One Lent, um, I'm not sure it was my freshman or sophomore year, Father Courtright, who was at the Newman Center, mentioned at a Sunday Mass that like during Lent, you should try to go to Mass during the week at least once or twice. So I started doing that. Um, and also the fall of my sophomore year, I think maybe the daily mass was my sophomore year, but fall of my sophomore year, I went on a koinonia retreat oh, wow. um, and we had like table conversations and we're looking at scripture there and there were religious sisters on the retreat, but there was also adoration. I think it was my first ever exposure, exposure to adoration and there okay. was also confession and it was like my first time back to confession since being a young adolescent. Since that you eighth know. grade moment? Right. Right. Middle school, like you go one year and the next year you kind of skirt the line and then the next yeah. time you skirt the line. And it was just a lot of grace in that retreat um, and just seeing Jesus face to face. And then also meeting him in the sacrament of confession and kind of coming to see what that means. Seeing other people I looked up to and respected um, actually going to the sacrament and taking it seriously, which I hadn't really seen a lot before that point in time. Yeah, I think um, you're making a great point when you right. see others go. You might have uh, almost a kind of image or perception about them, you know, like, kind of put them on a pedestal, but then you see them going to humble themselves. Right. The and witness it, of it, yeah. It was different than what I'd experienced, like, in my hometown in the faith formation. Like, faith formation, there's always a struggle, I think, for them to find good adult volunteers to lead it. And I just remember my first, like, I hadn't been exposed to Eucharistic adoration in my faith formation, but we had been showing, like, this is a monstrance, this is for adoration, this has the Eucharist in it at the altar sometimes. But nobody really does that anymore, was the sense that I had from that conversation. Like, this is a thing, like, this is a this is a thing from the old church, the way like a high altar, we might have pictures of a high altar that got taken out of a church. Right, like right. here's the monstrance, we don't use it anymore really, but it's there. Maybe they use it sometimes for really special occasions, but you'll probably never see it or have to like, you know, Yeah. it'll never really play a role in your life. That's so interesting. So your first encounter with Jesus in adoration was on a koinonia retreat. Right. Uh, and we have to we have to take a break here in a minute. So this is absolutely flying by fast. Um, maybe when we come back, Tell us about that, and even tell us, if you could, uh, how has adoration played a role in your prayer life since, since UND, uh, as a single woman, 
you know, you lived with a couple of other Catholic women that were pretty on fire women from, from that's when I met you, I think officially. Um, I think it would be fascinating to hear how has adoration played a role in this? Um, and even now, now you're married. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> you know, so uh, it'd be great. Uh, so stay with us for Presence Live. You're listening to Jessica Foley and Mark Holcraft. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. You never know where Catholic Radio is going to bring people. I mean, with my friend, it was just in the privacy of his own car, I think. People dare... People dare explore faith, matters of faith, when there's nobody else around them, right? You don't, you don't know. And the other thing that has impressed me, being close to Catholic Radio over the years, is all the cards and letters that came in from people who weren't even Catholic, you know, that were the, the, what we call the nuns, you know, that N-O-N-E-S. They just stumbled upon it, you know. And um, it's that, that's the power of Catholic Radio. Catholic Radio encourages Catholic Radio educate, Catholic Radio motivate, but what is it doing? Ultimately, the people that are listening have to have the courage to say to others, would you like to join me on Sunday morning? Would you like to learn more about being a Catholic? Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Mark Holcraft, your host for the morning, talking to Jessica Foley. Before we come back to Jessica, you know, many of you probably heard, you know, the mission statement of Real Presence Radio, our mission is to assist the Roman Catholic Church in drawing all people to the knowledge and love of Jesus and his church through radio and other mediums in full accord with the magisterium of the Catholic Church. That's our mission, but what are our goals? You know, how, what do we do that flows out of that? Well, there's five goals, and you may not know this about Real Presence Radio, but we really, we take it to heart when we reach out to our guests and hosts to bring you the best that we can with our local, local programming. One, strengthening marriage. Two, increase of sacramental practice. We're kind of talking a lot about that today. Three, vocations. Dignity of the human person being four in the last the goals of our local diocese, how can Real Presence Radio support the work of our local diocese? Um, so we love doing it. We're very excited about what we're able to do with Real Presence Radio and even Real Presence Live with our local coverage here. Speaking of local coverage, homegrown, Jessica Foley from the Fargo Diocese. 
We're just talking shop about how adoration, you know, adoration has just changed your life. Okay, maybe I'm getting a little excited there. <laughs> but let's pick up from your story. You just shared college, Quinonia retreat, first experience of adoration. Let's pick up from there. Right. So I think through my experience at the Newman Center and like the Koinonia retreat and just like as I kept returning to the Newman Center for community, I started to meet and fall in love with Jesus. And I started to realize that the things that I had seen in my youth as things like in in a little bit of my home parish, but just in general about the faith that like things like confession and adoration that I had kind of been portrayed as being like not an active part of the church right now were actually active and alive in the church and that people um, did regularly, there were Catholics who regularly went to the sacrament of confession and they went to things like adoration and they read the Bible um, and they had prayer lives and I had never experienced this before and I started like one by one kind of starting to like go to Bible studies, learn how to use the scriptures, learn how to read them, learn how to find things in the Bible, learn how to pray with scripture, um, going to mass, um, and going to adoration occasionally, and just like sitting and resting with the Lord and praying through scriptures with him, um, starting to discern things through prayer. Um, and it just started to like gradually transform my life one thing at a time in a very natural way, I would say. Um, but in a way that was very transforming. Jessica, I'm, I'm struck by an image. Um, you know, you had said two things, actually. One, you just, it was, it was almost funny because it was, it's such a part of your life now. You flew, you flew through when you said just falling in love with Jesus. And mm-hmm. Falling in love with Jesus, like it's no big deal. <laughs> you know? But I know it is. And I know it is for you. And so it was actually kind of awesome to hear you say that. Like, it's just a part of your life. But the other thing, when you talked about reading scripture in, in front of, like during adoration, um, the phrase that came to my mind, you didn't say this, but reading the word made flesh in front, right. in front of the word made flesh. Lexio Divina. And yeah. you know, you know, so you're reading, you're doing Lexio Divina, but like the, the word made flesh in scripture before the embodiment of the word made flesh in the sacrament, mm-hmm. in the blessed sacrament. Um, there's going to be crazy awesome things happening when you're doing that. Um, but speak more to that because you were sharing even a little bit, and this might have been even over the break, how adoration started becoming a more regular part of your life. But then just like, okay, starting to ask the question, Lord, so what do you want of me? Can you say more about that? Right. So it's, you know, I was receiving him physically in the sacrament of the Eucharist again and receiving his graces through the sacrament of confession. But I was re- receiving him in a spiritual incarnational way where his, like, word and flesh was being made real to me through scriptures. And it was gradual. And I didn't, there was no, like, come to Jesus moment. There were all those little come to Jesus yeah. moments where I came to him in the, like, in the word and in the flesh through the Eucharist, through adoration in scriptures. Um, and I think it was just a gradual revealing of his face, like, just gradually being made more and more clear and it's still a journey that I'm definitely still on, like trying to discern things, trying to find like, where is Christ in my life? Where is his will for me? Um, but ultimately, I think leaving college, you continue to make that your own, um, trying to find a prayer life amongst work, finding work that like leads into um, the faith life. 
And then just trying to discern different decisions as an adult, like where will I live? Who will my friends be? Um, am I called to marriage? Am I called to religious life? Um, and praying through those different things in different stages. And um, as Mark said earlier, I am newly married, and I'm also in my early 30s. So it was kind of a while discerning that and going like the back and forth in adoration with scripture, different praying, different um, like scripture study things for discernment at different times or novenas or whatever. Um, and just living and resting in that discernment at different points in time, feeling called to marriage or called to religious life. And like, how do you discern that? How do you walk with that going on different retreats for discernment? Um, which adoration was always a part of. Um, and I started having, when I moved to Fargo, um, I, I think a year or two in to my time in Fargo, stopped just stopping into adoration occasionally. And I got like, I, I mean, I still do that, but I also had a, got myself a regular adoration hour at the adoration chapel awesome. at the cathedral. Um, which is not my home parish, but it is there 24-7, and the adoration is not 24-7 at my parish. No, that's um, the beauty of it. Yeah, so Perpetual I adoration, yeah. picked it here, and I got like a, I knew that if you got an hour after the doors closed at 6 p.m., that they gave you the code, and you could come in anytime you wanted. So I got an hour, like I think my first hour was at 11 p.m., and now I have a 10 p.m. hour. Um, so you get the code. It doesn't really, like... Nothing you'd usually be doing in the evening is happening then, so you don't have to, like, schedule things around it. It's just always there. Um, Good point. But you can also go anytime you want because you have the codes. You can get in in the early morning. You can get in in the middle of the day when the doors are wide open. Um, I can go other nights of the week if I want. Yeah, yeah. No, Jessica, you're making a great point, even in just the nature of, I can't help but almost want to promote. So if for those of you who are listening, if you are not making a holy hour as a regular part of your life, if your parish, maybe a parish doesn't offer Eucharistic exposition, um, that could be a great conversation to bring up to your priest. Um, I've talked with plenty of priests that at some point, whether it's the best thing or not, they may not have Eucharistic exposition because they may not think or be aware that their parishioners want it. And so I have found many priests really respond well when they learn, oh, this is what their parishioners are looking for, you know? And of course, the, the graces it brings to the parish. But if it's not your parish, you know, some priests, you know, they may not offer Eucharistic adoration within their own parish because they know that a, a neighboring parish is offering it uh, all day or like the Cathedral of St. Mary's here in Fargo offers perpetual adoration, which means day and night, right. continuously, ex with the exception to masses. But even they have their own chapel, Right, and so it's a different chapel aside from the actual church where they can continue to do it day and night. Right, and people come from all different parishes, and you watch the guy like the sign-in book, and you see people coming from the surrounding area, or like people from, you know, a couple hours away coming in for their big grocery run. Not not even groceries, but like their big shopping run, and you see them signing in from like Greenbush and Jamestown and Minto and. It's Lidgerwood. awesome to see. It's awesome to see because they do. They make it a part of whatever. If they're going into town, they're going into the city um, to make the rounds, run the errands that they need to, but they, that they make Eucharistic adoration a part of that. You know, um, so back to you, you signed up for Eucharistic adoration. You have a holy hour. Um, when did you meet, so you, now your husband, Ryan. Right. When did you meet Ryan and how did that 
Tell so you. I met him in, it was 2019 in the summer. Um, and we met online and on Catholic Match. So he was Catholic. Um, and he had grown up very similarly to me with um, parents, like his parents were Catholic. His, his mom was actually raised Lutheran and his dad was Catholic. And then his parents are divorced. So his mom is Lutheran again. Okay. Um, and he had been raised very similarly in the faith. Like you go to mass most of the time, but sometimes it's an inconvenience. Like if you're camping and then you don't go to mass or like you're working, so you don't go to mass and like, that's okay. But he was kind of coming out of that and becoming more and more a practicing Catholic. Um, he had also never been to adoration, but we were going on dates and my adoration hour was at 10 PM. And sometimes our date wasn't quite over by then, or I'd had to be like, yes, our date <laughs> needs to be over at this time because I have this standing commitment. I know that's weird that it's 10 PM and I have a commitment, but I need to go to adoration. He's thinking you have a date with another guy. No. <laughs> so yeah, no, what do you do. You spend um, time with another man, right? In Jesus I mean, Christ. Yes. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it wasn't too far into our dating. I would say a month or two in where like I, you know, I explained that it was adoration I was going to and I must have invited him because I think about a month into dating, he started coming with. Um, awesome. And then he maybe missed one or two weeks, but in very short order, he was coming with me every single week. So good. That's right. So good. And it was just part of our routine and it still is. Um, it gets a little late, especially like he starts work at 7 a.m. in the morning. So it's usually like 1130 when we get home and it's we go straight to bed because that is not a lot of sleep. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then fast forward about a year from where we met, like we when we got engaged, it was actually on a Thursday, which is the day of our day of our adoration hour. Okay. And so we went to dinner and it was, we sat outside. It was very nice, like June day. And then we were walking and he proposed, asked me if I'd spend the rest of my life with him and told me he loved me and gave me a ring. And I said, yes. And we called our parents and we were walking near the river downtown here in Fargo. And then we called our parents as we're walking back because it's almost time for adoration hour. And then we went to adoration and it was a pretty great adoration hour. Yeah, <laughs> I'd imagine one of the best of your life. It's so good. And um, wow, Jessica, we, we need to wrap it up. Gosh, we have 20 seconds left. I just, one of the things that stands out to me that I think is so beautiful and so important for our, our listeners to hear is that it was a gradual thing. It wasn't like it was right. just this profound experience, but that he continued to reveal his face to you slowly. Right, like you hear his voice, you see his face. It's slow, but like it's a little bit at a time. Some people God works in very suddenly, and some people it's just like the gradual transforming breeze. Yes. A day at a time, a month at a time, a year at a time. Thank you for being with us, Jessica. Please stay with us.